Welcome to the Winner Circle with Derek Pang. On this podcast, I'll be introducing you to real-world heroes who have stepped outside their safe, known worlds to pursue and live their win, their best lives. This is a choice we all get to make. The intention behind these conversations is to inspire you to move forward with greater faith, trust, and belief in yourself on your hero's journey ahead. Let's go, hero. All right, we're live. And on today's episode, I'm really excited to introduce you all to today's guest. I haven't met him myself, but he comes highly recommended from a lot of my friends, including um, past podcast guests, Leo Savage and Serena Beattie. So on today's episode, I interview a speaker, a coach, the founder of Procabulary, whose mission is to help people create more powerful, more fulfilled lives using the power of better words and stories. He's also co-founder of Enlifted, the ultimate mindset program for athletes and coaches, which helps coaches cultivate the necessary skills to become exemplary coaches. Welcome to the winner circle, to the language guy himself. Mark England. Derek, thanks for having me on. With it, I, I, I better I better tell some good stories with an intro like that. <laughs> I'm sure you have many. Um, so we'll get right into our questions. And normally I start off with a, a question about your mission. We kind of talked about your mission of vocabulary in the in the bio. So I'm going to start off with a new question. We will get to that mission. But the new question is: What do you love about your world right now? my sleep. So I, like I, we were talking right before we, we got, we hit the record button. Uh, I've been traveling and uh, I've been, here's a, here's a good metric for it. My, I haven't had my name on a lease anywhere since 2001. I've been in hotel rooms and Airbnbs. I have had a couple of residences uh, overseas for uh, about a year, year and a half on some of them, all done on a handshake. Friends, couches. And one of the gifts from COVID is that, and a lot of that was me traveling around, giving presentations and talks and and, and, and inserting myself into cool scenes because I wanted to be there. One of those being on it in Austin, shout out to all those cool guys and gals. And so I've been in Virginia, Derek, the entire year, except for one trip, the pirate needed some shore leave. So I shot on over to Istanbul for seven days, like an airstrike in and out. But other than that, I've been on the East, I've been on Eastern standard time, dude, and I'm sleeping better than I remember ever in my entire life and at age 44 you know an, an eight hours all the way through from nine to nine to five eight thirty to four thirty dude i had no idea i had no idea what i was missing so the one of the things i love about my life right now is how well i'm sleeping man Beautiful. And that's such an important part of our self-care routine, which we'll get into later on. But right now, let's jump into your mission. I talk about the mission of vocabulary. Mark, what is your personal life mission in this reality plane now? I'll describe the same outcome from three different angles. So one of them is to educate the victim mentality out of humanity. It can be done in four or five generations. Another way to describe that same outcome is to unlock the breath of humanity because those two things go hand in hand. An entrenched victim mentality equals trapped, restricted breathing mechanics equals a very not fun place to be as in inside you. And then another way to describe that is uh, I am to some people known as the abracadabra guy because I've been talking about that word for over eight years now. Once I recognized, once I realized, once I was told what the real meaning of that word is. And in my opinion, as I previously mentioned, I've been around, zigged and zagged and given a lot of presentations and 
regardless of wherever I am, Derek, uh, Istanbul, Bangkok, uh, London, uh, North uh, North America, South America, Australia, you can rush it. Doesn't, bring up abracadabra to a group of people, regardless of their native language, and they all go. They all recognize it. And they all think it means magic. Abracadabra is the most well-recognized word on the planet. I'm convinced of that. And uh, and everyone thinks, again, it means magic. It doesn't, dude. Abracadabra is Aramaic. And it translates to with my word I create or with my words I influence. It's a sleeping giant. I'm going to wake it up. I love that. I love that. And Leo shared that with me. Um a while back in Texas and it's made me look at things differently. And I'm sure this conversation will continue to shift my lens. It was a bit, it's a big deal, man. It, I, uh, Ecuador, I was down in Vilcabamba living down there, 2013, minding my own business. And we're out to bre- out to dinner with some friends. And this guy was across the table. And he knew I was in the language game. He goes, Hey, Hey, Mark, you know what abracadabra means? I'm like, yeah, 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 magic. He goes, no, it's Aramaic. It means with my word I create. Bop, bop, bop. I put my fork down, hair stood up on my arms. I got up, got walked over to where he was. I said, tell me everything. You all can look this up. They, the metaphysic, the teachers of the day, the metaphysicians of the day, would triangulate abracadabra and wear it around their neck as an amulet to ward off or dispel, which means to cast out spells, dispels, dispel negative energy and to remind them of the power and the mechanism of the word. Because they knew that if they got that wrong, then building anything on top of that shaky foundation was tough. They also knew if they got that right, as in they got their story focused and clear and accurate, that they could do, that was the foundation of their higher level spiritual practices and magic making. Mm -hmm. So how did you become the language guy? How how did this journey begin? Um, I know you used to be a martial artist, a Muay Thai fighter, and you had injuries that nudged you in a certain direction, but let's go way back to the beginning. Let's talk about the origin story of Mark England. The origin story of Mark England. Uh, uh, I was born in Richmond, Virginia, on the north side in St. Mary's Hospital, July 29th, 1976. And my parents, both Virginians, I'm a Richmond guy, born and raised. Uh, my father had a chain of convenience stores in Lucky's, Lucky, oh, excuse me, in Richmond, Virginia. It was called Lucky's. So, you know, we grew up in, uh, in a, uh, I grew up on a lake, grew up on a golf course, had a, a a, 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 a cushy upbringing in one sense. And then um, in another sense, it was, uh, you know, I modeled my father who was uh, harder than a pair of woodpecker lips. And he comes from the mountains of Virginia, deep in the Western part of Virginia, coal mining country. And he was a big guy and he was a very athletic. He got a football scholarship, uh, which got him out of that coal mining region and uh, so I grew up. And he had a he had a he had a, he had a straight up short fuse too, dude. Man. Straight explosive temper. And uh, I grew up idolizing that that tough toughness, that hard edge. Uh, I was too small to play football well. Um, and truth be told, I didn't like all the extra gear you know the helmets and the, the pads and all that I just, it didn't feel right wrestling though that was pretty cool so i wrestled in high school which uh, it was the catalyst for me taking my first brazilian jiu-jitsu class in the fall of 1996 in in, in college and pinning people was yeah fine sure gotcha uh choking someone though that was a completely different experience the first time i got choked i thought that was the coolest thing i that i had ever seen in my life because it was up until that point and uh i got bit by the bug and for the next six years that was uh, what i 
poured a lot of my time and attention into was training jujitsu and, and Muay Thai kickboxing and mixed martial arts. And I was competitive and, uh, did, did pretty well at a, at a, a winning amateur record and got, uh, the universe, the phone rang. It was the universe six days before I graduated university in, in 2000, May of 2000. And it came in the form of an email, Derek, from career services. <laughs> and uh, I, I opened two emails from career services my entire time in school. One was the first week, no clue what that said. And one was the last week. And it was weird because I was, I, as I, I was opening that email, I'm thinking to myself, why am I opening this email? Career services. I know what I'm doing for the summer. We got parties going on. I got to graduate, got to move, got to move down to the beach, get the beach house, wait tables, drink myself every night, party on Wayne and Garth. We had them both. And uh, I opened the email and it said, teach in Thailand. And I'd only had my passport. Did I even have my, I didn't even have my passport yet. I looked down, read the, the header, the headline, looked up, looked back down, read the headline again, made my decision. I'm going. I don't even know what's over there. Nothing. This is this is very a very foreign move for for anyone in my family or social circle. So I did. I moved over to Thailand in February 2002. The D, the plan was go over there for a year, polish up my skills, tie boxing, come back, go pro. That's not what happened, man. Thank God, which is an important part, which is a metric for me in the hero's journey, the thank God place, position, uh, uh, spot on the path. We'll talk about that. Six months in, I'm having my second knee surgery. Doctors, I go, I'm in the doctor's office and he says, uh, your career as a, as a fighter is over. You could become a very good swimmer, which was something I was really interested in at the time, you know, getting in the pool and swimming laps and getting good at swimming laps. That sounded really fun. I'm being totally sarcastic right now. I, 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 it was, it was a death sentence to look at those words there. Death sentence. It was a death sentence to my, my, identity as a fighter and uh, darkness descended, man, in uh, so much so that I did not laugh for an entire year. I might not have smiled 10 times because I had such an entrenched victim mentality raging in my head that it was, it, it sucked the light right out of me, man. I used that fail as proof, evidence that there was something wrong with me, existentially wrong with me, and I was doomed to fail. And that now I've finally got all the proof that I was that I've been terrified about me not being good enough. There you go, on a platter with 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 a milkshake. Enjoy. And I decided. I said I'm not going back to Virginia because I was the fighter and everybody knew I was the fighter and I loved that attention. And I said, I would rather be a no one in a strange land than go back and not be able to be that person. Because me without fighting was, that was my bandaid. Um, yeah, I, I was, I never enjoyed being me. It took, it took me till about early thirties until, uh, until that started to become uh, a, a sporadic experience. Uh, I can keep going and I'm happy for questions. Yeah. Um, sure. Well, how did that begin your discovery of me um, from when you decided I am not going back to Virginia to when you discovered little traces of what that me is, what did that process look like for you? Gotcha. 
Um, well, uh, an enlightened doo-doo was part of it. An enlightened poop. Those exist. So I'm a wreck. I'm a mess. And I'm over at the swimming pool. I was an elementary school PE teacher. And my partner, uh, he was the middle school PE teacher. We're over there. The kids would swim. They were free swimming. Every, just, just pay attention. Every, make sure everybody stays on top of the water. You know, the, the deal. And he hands me this book called The Tao of Health, Sex, and Longevity by Daniel Reed. And he goes, take a look at this. And I start thumbing through it. And it was a book on how Taoists go about zigging and doing, doing them, traditional Chinese medicine. It talked about diet. It talked about exercise. It talked about meridian lines, meditation, uh, Taoist sexual practices, um, uh, uh, acupuncture. Uh, and it, it also it talked about breathing. And it also talked about pooping. And it showed this person on a Western toilet just sitting there. Ever, you ever heard of a squatty potty? Yeah, I have one. I have one. Yeah, those are famous because yeah. of this particular fact that when someone sits on a Western toilet, the, the, the uh, things don't line up all that great. Things get bunched up and, and your, 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 your poop game is going to suffer. And so they showed this guy squatting on a toilet. And it showed how everything lined up and it was just superior and blah, blah, blah. It's like, I got to take a poop. So I gave him the book, went into the bathroom, squatted down on the toilet, took a magnificent dump, dude. A, a, a phenomenal, fantastic, world-class doo-doo. And I stood up and I just, it felt, I, my whole... I took a breath where I hadn't been breathing and I don't know how long. And I said, my God, that was amazing. I go back out and I tell him and he goes, and it was, it was funny bringing up pooping with uh, uh, British guys, British people there. They're a little more reserved than, than us over here on this side. And anyway, he goes, well, dude, you should talk to the vice principal because he just came back from a cleansing resort down on Kosamui, an island on the Gulf of Thailand. And they've got a cleansing resort that's based off of this exact book. I said, I'm going. I went and I kept going. I went down there the first time, did a seven day cleanse and came back feeling a little bit better. And I said, this is something that I can do. This is a way that I can participate in my sorry ass life and hopefully do something better. Cause I saw where that, that path was taking me that, 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 uh, uh, bitter, and and resigned individual 30 years from that point that was going to be uh, very not pretty so anyway i was like okay this is something different i keep going down the third time i'm down there derek i go to an emotional detoxification workshop and in all my wisdom i snickered at it when i heard about it. i was like emotional detox anyway i went and there was Barry Musgrave uh, at the time, early, early 60 year old British man who would end up being a profound influence on my life and my first mentor in this work. And he talked about words and he talked about stories and he talked about identities. And then he asked if anyone was dealing with a, a problem. This woman raised her hand, took her up walked her through the story of it was a legitimate bad breakup Four and four years later, she's still hanging on to it. So he takes her through the story all the way through angry and tears check takes her through the story. A second time changes a couple of the words, which changes what she's, how she's seeing things, what she's focusing on. And now she's sad, no tears takes us through the same story again, changes the middle and a very important part at the end where she, and it went from her taking all of that personal to her, her seeing it as, you know, that was his side of the street. So much so now, and she's basically neutral now, 
in six minutes, seven minutes to where she goes, you know, that guy was actually pretty weird. It wasn't going to work out anyway. And I said, that's not my story, but that's my story. And that was in 2003. And I've been neck deep in the language game since. Beautiful. Um, let's get into um, your change of identities. Um, I, I had to, I had a similar thing happen to me where I've been a martial artist for over a decade, uh, jujitsu, Muay Thai nice. myself. And in 2010, I suffered a traumatic brain injury while on medical leave for concussion problems from MMA. Um, I was in a coma for three and a half days and over seven days of amnesia once I woke up. And uh, it really shifted my lens of what this reality is. I, I don't know how it happened, but when I awoke, I had um, a new view on what I thought was important and what I thought was important, what I was told by society, by media, by our consumer patriarchal society was that the external matters, uh, what you look like, your appearance, buying things, accumulating things, climbing the corporate ladder. And when you're on your deathbed, not knowing even who you are, none of that is important. Um, what was important to me, what I realized was important was all the internal, who you love, most importantly yourself, those who love you back without expectations and being the change um, and that's how I began my transformation. Um, your transfer, your transformation, um, happened differently. Um, how did you transition from being a martial artist to the language guy? Me, I had to, and kind of you as well. You had to do because of injury, you, you, you got shut down and that was very hard to transition growing up as an athlete my whole life. All I knew was being an athlete. So that took almost a decade to really come out on the other end to recreate my new identity. And this is an important topic because right now, so many people have lost our identities because of COVID, quarantines, whether that identity is like, I'm someone that goes to the gym every day, or I play on this sports team, or um, just as life goes on, parents, like their, their identity, and they identify so much as a parent and then their kids leave and they don't have their identity. So let's talk about that transition <clears throat> identities and what was your process with that? Um, mine, well, I mean, you did say 10 years. Very in interesting. This is the first time anyone asked me this. So one of our coaches recently, he said, what was it like the first time you kicked a bag after, after that second knee surgery? And I had to stop and think about it. And, and my answer was depressing. And it stayed depressing. Mm -hmm. Even when I got back some semblance of strength and, and, and technique, it was, it was a reminder of, of what was now not. Mm -hmm. And it took me a decade of working on my own story. So let's say 2015, 2000, 2000, we'll just go 2015, right around there, to where I said, thank God that whole thing happened. Mm -hmm. And I remember what it felt like when that, when I said that and I meant that, mm -hmm. as in, I said that and all of me was on board. Thank th none of me. None. Thank God. Seriously. I did not continue down that path. I was a very selfish person. Then. I was giving, I was more of a net negative than a net positive to my community. Yeah. I had friends. Fine. Sure. But I was, uh, I, I was mean. I was first and foremost, I was super mean to myself. And then I, I shared that, lovely character trait uh, uh, with the external world in a variety of different ways. Um, and so, you know, some things, and then another student asked recently about timing, you know, some things we can, we can let go of stuff. Some, sometimes we can let go of things fast. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer. That one for me to come full circle. So that hero's journey, full circle for me is when you can look at something and say, Thank you. 
hundred percent. He says, thank you. I'm so glad that happened. And, and, uh, that's, that's called ownership because before, yeah. Okay. Uh, good. There were some good things are happening, but part of me was still attached to that fight game, bro. I mean, talk about drugs. I've tried some drugs fine and nothing, no, nothing compared to getting in the ring and fighting another trained man in front of a bunch of people. That was a high. So it, it, it time changes. It, 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 it affects time. I mean, you're a fighter, you know, and, and, you know, that brings up a, a very interesting point. I know very interesting is an opinion. And for me, it's very interesting. So, so much so that we gave a TEDx talk about it. The definition of identity versus the reality of it. The current definition of identity is the fact of being who or what a person is. If people were facts, if what we, if the story of us was, was factual, there would be no hero's journey. There'd be no change to it. The reality is, is our identities are ongoing, fluid, flexible processes. And we participate in those ongoing, fluid, flexible processes with our words, with our language. When I say language, I mean internal dialogue and external dialogue. What I think and what I say. And so to answer another one of your questions, how did I become the language guy? Repetition, man. Repetition. Doing a lot of a lot of coaching sessions. Done stop counting in 2017, over 5,000 individual coaching sessions. Over 500 presentations. Stop counting in 2017 too. I was like, okay, cool. Those are good numbers. I'm done. We'll just keep going. Who's, who cares? Um, and and, and just talking about this a lot, M more like relentlessly, the same message. Here, here it is in one sentence. Our language, our words powerfully influence us for better or for worse. And we don't get taught this in school, Derek. We, uh, you know, I've, I've got a degree in education and I went through the public school system. And on both sides, either side of the, that coin, I didn't have one course class or conversation on how my language influences my feelings, how I feel about myself or how my language influences my imagination, the, the self-image, the, 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 the character I create in my imagination, which is me, and then run simulations of it. I didn't have any training on how my language, I can you literally tell myself a story and, 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 and essentially strangle myself, put myself in sympathetic nervous system response, trapping my breath in my upper chest. And if I keep that story going, which is very easy to do, I mean, what's more seductive than our own voice and our own mind? People get addicted to victim mentalities uh, just as easy as they get addicted to, to successful mentalities. I keep that victim mentality going and, and my breath, it, that becomes home base. We are not designed physically to breathe into our chest. We're not designed to be in upregulated stress states for prolonged periods of time. It's, it's an airstrike. We're built for airstrikes. Get in, get out, upregulate, downregulate, keep, get, stay in parasympathetic nervous system response. Keep, get, the breath is, we're designed to breathe low and slow until we have to perform. Then we get out and rest and digest, as it's called, or feed and breathe. Mm hmm. No, I absolutely agree. And this is a part of the lessons I learned in my journey and my recovery from my TBI. And um, for the last few years, I've been teaching um, a program it's called the Hero Project in schools, elementary schools, where I awaken students' awareness of choice via awareness of their breath, their posture, their vibration, and being present. And I train their teachers in this curriculum, which introduces mindful breath work, mindful mobility and mindful yoga movement designed um, to be self-care breaks all throughout the day. And um, I think a key commonality between your learnings and my learnings is um, awareness and how when we cultivate that awareness through reps, we can create change. And um, with that awareness and with that opportunity for choice, we can create great change. Um, and that's what my going for my win looks like for me today. It's setting my goals on a night star and my night star is to awaken others awareness of choice, uh, our most powerful human freedom, 
and change making tool. And going for my win to me means embracing the process. We live in a very destination oriented society. When I get this job, when I get this career, when I get this relationship, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But going for your win to me is delighting in the process, enjoying the sweetness on the road. Um, what does going for your win mean to you, Mark? And what does living your win look like for you in today? Going for my win. Um, there's two parts of that that come to mind. First is to have a target and look at it very, very uh, unfrequently. Uh, uh, <laughs> What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Don't look at it very often. Yeah. Know the target. Okay. Marry the process. The most successful people I know, they've got, they've got the target in mind so they can go big picture. Okay. And, and they spend most of their time on the day-to-day, week-to-week action steps. So that's a, that's my uh, simple formula for going for wins, whatever that, whatever the win is. Mm-hmm. And what does my win look like today? I'm in the middle of one of them, man. We graduated our 100th coach this past Sunday and uh, I'm just stoked, man. I have so much fun teaching this stuff. I'm a teacher at heart and it tickles me to no end to, to, to watch our students go through uh, our, one of our certification levels and, and, work on other people's stories and come back and have, uh, you know, very cool things to share, you know, how they've helped somebody with this thing. Or they talk specific, uh, they have got specific questions about what to do and when this happens in a session and, you know, they share their losses. They're like, Oh my gosh, I got so stuck when this person said this one thing. I'm like, great. Uh, yeah. And we're, and, and I'm, and, and I'm, uh, we're getting, good fast at building a really cool community so community building is something that uh that i am i'm not spending or taking i'm investing my time in um and i'm, I'm really enjoying that process too man so mm-hmm. yeah it's uh it's it's all simple and it's all it's all very gratifying so mm-hmm. You know, my win, my big win. Okay, there's another way to describe that. Uh, 50 years, five zero. I have one goal. It's 50. It's a 50 year goal. So after 10 years in the story game, I'm almost 14 in, 13 and, and a lot of change. After 10 years in the game, I looked around and I said, I have no more questions. This work has held my attention solid for 10 years professionally and then the three years prior when I was learning I said I'm in I'm in balls wallet and heart all of me what does that look like Mark well 50 years that sounds about right I'm curious I'm a curious cat Derek what does 50 years in any game feel like much less one that you're passionate about I saw Richard Bandler on stage um, a number of years ago, and he goes, I've, I've been doing this for four effing decades. And I'm like, dude, yes. What is that guy feeling right now? I'm going to find out. So I scrolled down, uh, and it took a little while. I went into my calendar and scrolled down to 2057, January 17th. 2057 because January 17th 27 or 2007 is when I started that's when I started that was my first pro day day in the professional league the big leagues as a as a counselor as a coach and so I have my I'm giving my last presentation January 17th 2057 and then I'm out dude I'm walking I'm done Y'all, y'all monkeys take it, man. The circus is over. I'm walking out. I'm taking some Cracker Jacks 
and I'm going to grab a Guinness somewhere and never talk about abracadabra again. <laughs> Cause yeah, I got, I got 37 years to go and I'm, I've already said a decent amount about it. Yeah. Let's talk about um, crossing the threshold. This is um, something all heroes do many times along the journey. And some of them you mentioned already was deciding to go to Thailand in 2002, not going back to Virginia. That's another crossing the threshold. Um, this 50 year commitment, crossing the threshold, saying yes to your first um, amateur MMA fight. There's so many thresholds that you've passed. And like you said, reps, reps, reps make it easier to get through. Um, but what is your advice to a hero right now at the edge of that cliff, afraid to take that leap, afraid to go all in? What advice would you whisper in their ear? Pick up your pen and write down the pros, write down the cons. Pen to paper. Pen to paper. What, if, if, you, if you go, if you take a leap, what does that version of you look like three years from now? If, if you stay, if you, if you don't, write out what that version of you looks like three years from now. Magical things happen when pen gets put to paper. So if you've got some, I, I, I do not, I'm not a big fan of big dreams. I'm a fan of big goals. The difference between a dream and a goal is that a dream is in your head and a goal is written down. There's only one way to turn a dream into a goal, and that is to write it down. Write down, write down your thoughts. Write down what you want to do. Write down what you could do. Write down what you can do. Write down where you've come from. And that will help you orientate yourself in your own psychogeography in terms of where you are and what you could do with yourself. Because this is not the trial run. It's not. It's not. And most, lang most people's language works against them. Most people use their language accidentally and unconsciously to talk themselves out of opportunity, to uh, crank up the drama, create excess indecision, stay focused on the problem, play the blame game, and redu it reduces people to spectators in their own life. That's horrible. The current def the definition is not the current definition. Well, it is current. It's also the definition of the victim mentality. It is an acquired personality trait where a person tends to regard himself or herself as the victim of the negative actions of others, even in the absence of clear evidence. The victim mentality depends on a habitual thought process and attributions. That second sentence, folks, is right between the eyes, right where it belongs. The victim mentality depends as in it has to have a habitual thought process habitual accurately implies duration and addiction and there is absolutely a thought pattern there's a subset of the english language it is called conflict language in the vocabulary system and that's the that's that is the way that people that those are the language patterns that people use to turn themselves into a reaction hero <laughs> instead of an action hero. A, a, a man of reaction. No, no one gets excited about a man. Re man of action, woman of action. Mm -hmm. There's a way that you can use your language to, to stay focused on what's important to you and create solidity in your emotions and feelings and get yourself breathing well and keep the drama low and um, be reflective in nature as in you take responsibility for what you do, okay, for the outcomes mm -hmm. of your choices. It's a very empowering thing to do. It's also a punch in the nose. Uh, so, you know, this, this work is you go messing around with your language and all kinds of crazy shit happens. Good things, great things, and also some painful things. It's the best of news. It's the worst of news. Sweet. I'm creating my own story. Damn it. I'm creating mm -hmm. my own story. So 
for a man or woman of reaction, um, one thing that weighs them down is fear. Mm. How could you use language to help those men and women of reaction to overcome that number one thing that holds people back, in my opinion, fear? Yep. Well, there's a, there's a variety of ways that people hold themselves down, slow themselves down, distract themselves. Sometimes it's, it's straight up fear, borderline terror, making a big choice. Sometimes it's death by a thousand cuts of, yeah, well, you know, maybe I'll do this and maybe I'll do that. Here's something that you can practice. This is very practical advice, as in it's you can you can practice it. So, I I go on a lot of podcasts. I get asked a lot, "What do we do?" I have a macro answer, and I have a micro answer. The macro answer, folks, is for one hour of one day, when you're talking to people, slow down your rate of speech by twenty percent. I've been given the same advice for the past three and a half years. Slow down your rate of speech by 20% and watch what happens. You're gonna talk obviously a little bit slower. When someone talks more slowly, their breath gets down lower into their abdomen and they sound different. You're also going to become a better listener, which is a very valuable skill when you're dialoguing instead of monologuing, okay? You're also going to gift yourself with extra mental real estate so you can start feeling more of your words. What words, how words, what feelings and sensations words create. You will have, you'll, you'll, it's a very interesting thing to do. Macro answer, slow down your rate of speech by 20%. Micro answer, take out them soft talk keywords, folks. What's soft talk, Mark? Soft talk. So we have a, a it's, called, it's called soft goals. Derek, give me one goal for you for 2021. Could be anything. I want to speak at a TEDx talk like you have. Cool. Now put the word kinda somewhere in there. Anywhere. I want to kind of speak at. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's horrible. Give me another goal for 2021. Uh, I want to get my Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Amen, brother. Uh, put, a, put a hopefully in there. I don't even want to bring that into reality. I want because you're smart, dude. Yeah. You're smart. What are we doing here, folks? We're we're using we're making some jokes uh, about we're 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 having some fun at the expense of something called soft talk. So in that subset of the English language called conflict language, there's three pillars. Okay, there's soft talk. There's negations, can'ts, won'ts, isn'ts, haven'ts, not. They make you force you to focus on the problem, and then projections. You know, she made me think we needed to get married. He's always talking over me. My father won't let me live my own life. It's when we play the blame game. Those are a little bit more advanced. Soft talk is such a great place to start because all you got to do is pluck out the soft talk keywords. What are the soft talk keywords? Think, might, sort of, kind of, perhaps, probably, almost like, could, hope, one day. Do not be a one-day person. Be a two-day person. Get it done. And, 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 and try. Those key words, guess, did I say guess? Those key words, those soft talk keywords, trust me, I stare at this stuff day in and day out. It is littered in people's language. And it, it, it's that death by a thousand cuts thing. It creates 
Does anyone raise your hand? I know we're on a podcast. I can't see anybody, but raise your hand if you love prolonged bouts of indecision. Nobody ever says yes to that, Derek. I just can't figure it out. Soft talk creates indecision. It's not even second guessing. It's 550 second guessing. Okay. Um, it, it makes, it makes taking responsibility for things that we're, we're, we're doing difficult. Um, I, I, I guess I'm drinking too much coffee. If you ever hear someone say, I guess I'm drinking too much coffee, they know they're drinking too much coffee. And when we take the guess out, now it's sprung. Now it's, I am drinking too much coffee and I got to do something about it. You know, I might need to spend some more time with the kids. Take out the might and, and take out the soft talk on this important note, folks, does not make the thing real. You will know if it's true or false based on how you feel about saying it. And here's the deal. Here's, here's a Mark England promise for you. If you take out 50% of your soft talk out of your language, you're going to have a profound experience. Your, your vibe is going to change. Again, this is it's the biggest problem and opportunity with mindset in my personal and professional opinion is that mindset is usually had on the macro level of the conversation. Once you learn the words, folks, then you make mindset uber practical. Once you know what words will take you down that path of the victim. You know what words to avoid. You know what words to use more of to help you stay in the game and talk yourself into, into uh, uh, better opportunities and better relationships. And it's storytelling. Let's just call it what it is. The whole thing is storytelling. You, all y'all, listen to this podcast. Or te you told yourself a story to yourself about yourself all day long. So did I. Most people's storytelling sucks because they've never learned the know how or the know to. The know to to tell yourself better, clearer, more focused, constructive, empowering stories and the know how, the building blocks, the words. I didn't learn any of this stuff. That's why I almost ran myself off a cliff. Off a cliff? Oh, yeah. Metaf metaphorically speaking. I go oh. on rants. <laughs> I go on rants, Derek. <laughs> that's all right i like i really enjoying your rants um mark you mentioned one of the mentors that helped you awaken this awareness and with this awakening of awareness we could begin to rewrite our stories so let's talk about let's take a moment to acknowledge some of the mentors you've met on the path you mentioned barry musgrove um musgrave um let's talk about him and some other of your mentors you'd like to speak of highly um, and what were your main takeaways learned from them? Got to talk about Ed Hudson. So I met Ed Hudson 2008, 2009, doesn't matter, early on at the spa. And he was in a pair of shorts and uh, a shirt, no shoes, could have been anybody. But, but he wasn't. He, um, he's in the B club. He came from the farm. He's a farm boy. And he moved to Los Angeles. And he's, um, he created an empire. And the most important, the two most, three, there's three. There's two things he said to me. And then there's the thing he demonstrated to me. Um, he said, we create our, our opportunity. You create your opportunity. And he said, two, you have to learn to think in decades. You have to learn to think in decades. We definitely don't get taught to think in decades in school. Okay. Most people, you know, they think quarterly. If they're thinking quarterly, they're doing pretty well. 
Okay. We have to learn, you have to learn to think in decades. And then there's how he is. He's, he's got more energy than anyone I know. And he's 70. And I know people talk about people like that. No, but I mean, this, this dude really is a force of nature, bro. He's, he is a force of nature. He's the most well-traveled person I know. Uh, and he, I describe him as very big wake, very little drag. He's, he's just, he's, he's, he's architected himself into, into as functional of a person as I've ever seen, uh, holistically. I love, and, and I spent, you know, I spent a, a Christmas with him once. I lived under the same roof with him, which we had up in Los Angeles on the canals, Grand Canal. We had up all the time uh, that I live, that I stayed with him. I've lived under the same roof with him for a year. That's a long time. And I watched, I watched, I've, I've watched a baller Christmas. And when I mean baller, I mean, well, how people use, use the word baller. It's just stuff that I, I wasn't used to growing up. You know, we, we were affluent, but this is a different, different kind of, and, and, it's just different being around conversations with, you know, a lot of numbers in them, you know, it makes you think. So there's another, there's another takeaway. Get yourself around people that are doing really cool shit. And the fastest way to do that is for you to do a bunch of really cool shit. Ed Hudson mentor, uh, Gary Miles is my karate teacher. Uh, American uh, American Karate Center. That was that that was my that was my mentor, smooth, the smoothest cat I've ever seen. Um, Why was he smooth? It's the way what he walked. It was the way he walked. It was the way he walked. The way he moved. The way he spoke. The way he's he's alive. I mean, the way he moves and the way he walks and the way he speaks. It's it's like satin. Okay, he's fourteen years older than me. I'm. 44 so he's 58 50 year 58 year old black guy just i mean slick and and yeah i spent a lot of summers with that guy a lot of summers with him um and that's my metric man i know i'm off on another little tangent here but i i I like getting things down to one word my, my, my metric, my one word metric for my life, both personally and professionally is smooth. Mm-hmm. When things are smooth, when things are smooth, that is an indicative of the reps. Okay. Of, mm-hmm. uh, of wrinkles ironed out. Smooth is also indicative of simple. Mm-hmm. One word that gets in the way of smooth is challenge and i know you've encountered many challenges on the path you've already mentioned some mark what has been your greatest challenge on the path and how did you overcome it my greatest challenge on the path I'm thinking, folks. I'd have to say getting my anger under control. Getting getting my getting my my mean streak under control, which I have. Is it completely under wraps all the time? No, nor do I need it to be. Uh, and um I got a long fuse now, dude. You saw I used to have a very short fuse. And that's in direct correlation. I used to be a, I used to be difficult to work with. I used to be selfish. Um, I used to be petty. Um, I used to be unreliable, sloppy, and disorganized. And those are all outcomes 
of character traits or or those are the fruits of certain stories and i, I have held a, a uh i have maintained a change in my language for long enough to where i've i've remediated let's say 80% of my my character faults and 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 that's enough you know as another piece of advice if you're waiting until you're 100% ready and 100% healed or 100% anything to get started good luck with that no you start broken you start messed up you start uh uh second triple quadruple guessing yourself you start underfunded you start um you start with people telling you you can't do it, it you got to start the percentage of people that finish a marathon that start a marathon is 50 percent 50 percent of the people that start a marathon finish a marathon you know how many people that don't start a marathon finish a marathon it's a race to the starting line it's not a race to the finish line it's a race to the starting line folks i don't care what you're dealing with somebody 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 is dealing with five times more than you are, and they started and they stayed in the game. Talk yourself into it. Don't stop talking yourself out of it. It's boring. Mm -hmm. That's a boring story. No one wants to hear it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's played out, old and tired. This is a great revelation, and you've had many revelations on your path, um, and the come they come to the big ones have been abracadabra and the power of language. Once you come upon those revelations, how did you begin to speak your message? How did you turn pro? And what did that process look like from your aha, wanting to commit to language, to abracadabra? How did that process of going from newbie to pro begin? Um, in 20, 20, 2007, you mentioned going pro. How, how did that begin and how did that continue? And take you to where you are now with court, multiple courses, multiple students, uh, plenty of speaking engagements, chart us that process of turning pro. You asked some, you asked some good questions, man. I like this. Um, so there's, there's the internal story of pro and then there's the x this is for me and then there's the external uh um demonstration of it and the story is we work from the inside out okay someone's got to get a perfect most people have got to craft a professional story before they externalize professionalism most people have to internalize a great story and before they externalize greatness and my my metric for pro is when i've got nothing else to prove to myself okay so when i gave my tedx talk how it's our tedx talk because you know my business partner and i we he wasn't on stage with me but you know we we crafted that script together and, and rehearsed it. And he gave me feedback the whole way through. He was very supportive. Um, and, and when I got off stage, TEDxRVA 2017, it was a very strange thing to watch myself say in my mind. I said, I, I don't have to do this anymore. I'll give, I'll give 5,000 more talks and I don't, I don't have to do this anymore because I got up there and I made a fucking statement to myself about my level of proficiency as a professional speaker. And, and that's a good feeling. That's a very, very free feeling when you do something for the love of it instead of a need to prove something. Okay. You know, we've, we just graduated our hundredth coach. Like I said, um, I've done all of those trainings. They're all three months, three month trainings. They're brutal. The, the, the certifications, they're brutal and they're hilarious. Um, 
ask anyone that, that's graduated and lifted level one. And, and I'm at that same point right now, you know, so many cool things are happening behind the scenes. Like we're, we're putting some very big lures in the water, dude, where we are, um, we're going to take some big shots here soon. Already are. It's just, we're going to do it uh, in the public eye. Um, and, and I've, I've, I've proved myself to myself as the caliber of teacher that I was, I always wondered if I was. And right now, like I said, I've got 37 more years in this game and I could walk tonight and, and just, and only have love for it. Only have love for the experience, what it's done for me. I have no need to do this work. I do it because I love this work. Uh, I have nothing left to prove to myself. Um, uh, and that's heaven. That's, 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 a, that's, that's a fresh breath. That's a breath of fresh air for me, existentially speaking. Like, I'm good enough. Take out the like. I'm good enough. I'm good enough for Mark England. Mark England is good enough for Mark England. And that took a fucking act of Congress as far as uh, uh, self-work to get to a point where I say that and I mean that. Beautiful. As we move to a close, I want to be respectful of your time. I'm really thankful for having you, um, for, for joining me on this uh, episode. We asked... A final, a couple of final questions to every guest, and um, I'll ask you the other two right now. So, in three words, how would you describe the experience you were having on this earth? Let's do this. I've been saying let's those words. Uh, yep. Let's let's do, do this in this. quotation marks. I've been I've been saying that for a decade. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. We got something going on. Let's do this. We're making another course. Let's do this. We're meeting up at the lake house in January, mid-January, because we are. Let's do this. It's just let's do this. Let's do action. Now. Get your story so – yes. Get your story so clear and clean and simple that action is simple. Big wake, little drag. Excellent. So we talked about 2057 and in my quick calculations, I've tried to make in my brain. Um, I think you're maybe 81 in, in, uh, 2057. So yep, it's close, math. Cl close to the age of, of our, my last question that I ask everyone. And that is, um, well, let me set this up. I believe we are all magicians. Um, and we, could use various ways to use this magic and I'm going to use magic and I'm going to transport us into the future. I'm going to transport us in the future. And we are sitting next to an 85 year old Mark England. I'd like you to close your eyes and I want you to picture this 85 year old Mark England in your mind. What is the life this 85 year old Mark lives what is the legacy that you've left behind? You've used zero uh, curse words in this podcast. I've used a lot. I'm, I'm, I pay attention to that, and I'm about to use another one. I got a shit-eating grin on my face, man. And I leave. I walk out the door. knowing that I'm not needed. This whole language conversation has been so well done. We have trained so many students, so many master students that I, that's, that's, that's another one. That's another one of my greatest goals, man, is to, is to make myself obsolete, do such a damn good job training, training, training people about uh, in, in this art it's an art it is absolutely art it's not coaching it's art 
in this art and style of storytelling that uh, I just fade off into the distance, man. And then, then I'm going down to the Caribbean and I'm, I'm, I'm going to drink uh, 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 cocktails on a sailboat and no one's going to hear from me again. And I'm just going to drive around smug. I'll be smug. 81 year old. I'll be a 81, 81 year old shriveled up raisin of a old guy, smug drinking cocktails at two 30 in the afternoon, listening to other people's stories. Beautiful. Fact. So I want you to keep this picture of this 85 year old smug, cocktail sipping caribbean sailing pirate mark pirate i'm gonna be a pirate dude i'm gonna go mark england swash, pirate. swashbuckle down in the yeah west indies I, I want you to picture that smell the smells that you smell and imagine the sights you will see and i'm not gonna leave you there i'm gonna bring you back into the now because in the now we still meet hero creators and you mark england are in the process of creating many many heroes what message does that 85-year-old Mark Inland send back to the 2020 Mark today? Enjoy it. Beautiful. That's just enjoy it. Enjoy it. Enjoy so it. thank you so much, Mark, uh, for joining me on this podcast. And you're doing so many great things right now. You're coaching, you're speaking. You have a 21-day foundation-level course called Core Language Upgrade on vocabulary.org. On enlifted.me, you have a 21-day The Way of the Lifted Athlete online course, in addition to that 12-week Enlifted certification course you mentioned on this conversation where you just certified your 100th coach. They can find you on Instagram at markengland2020 at Procabulary and the enlifted athletes, where else could they send you as you continue to take your aha, your magic home to the people? You nailed them all, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity to come on here and converse with you, Derek. Uh, you're obviously a very polished podcast host. You ask great questions and give plenty of, of, of space and time for people to answer in their own at their own pace. I know I have a, a little bit slower speaking rate than, than most people. So I appreciate the, uh, I appreciate you're, you're a good dance partner, man. Thank you so much. And I'm enjoying my process of growth. And I know um, me taking that 21 foundation level vocabulary course, which I just begun as well as the 21 day and lifted dot me program. Um, are going to help advance me on my journey. And maybe one day I'll be able to join you. Uh, for that 12-week and lifted certification course, I've only heard great things. Very cool. So, so to end all episodes, we raise our fist in the air and we bring it in for a digital fist bump. Boom. Boom. I like thank that. You, thank, you. thank you, brother. Um, it's been a pleasure and an honor. Um, I'm signing off.